funniest people I know. These are the funniest people I know. Said improv ripping, callers and sketches, characters and interviews, and then some more sketches. Now these are the funniest people you know. Now these are the funniest people you know. Now these are the funniest. These are the funniest. These are the funniest. These are the funniest people I know. Hello, world, and welcome to the Funniest People I Know podcast. We're coming to you live from the Georgia Radio <laughs> Reading Service here on a brand new mic. <laughs> Congratulations. Well, new mic, but same failure to understand what live means. Yeah. At least I can hear you, George. George, I'm not sure that you've been on this show since we started. Yeah, so come to find out, Will could never hear me, and so we've traded mics, and now he can hear me. But I think that at any point in the last two years, you could have mentioned that you couldn't hear me. Mm, same. You know, it's funny. Even though I can hear him, I still only catch about 30%. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Wait, really? No, no, I can hear you. I oh, just okay. choose. You're just not listening. So you have George selective hearing. Absolutely. Got you. That's interesting, because George has selective hearing. <laughs> mm. <laughs> For everyone or just Will? For everyone. I, I can't you. hear people who don't say what I want to hear. Mm-hmm. Can mm-hmm. I tell you something else weird that may or may not be interesting to the listeners, but I feel like I shouldn't be running things from this new position. Like, I somehow feel like you're mm-hmm. the host. Mm-hmm. Doesn't it feel that way to you guys? Yes. No. No. Yeah. I just want to know, Will, real quick, is there a power or is there some sort of a boost that you feel being in the seat closest to the computers? I think so. Do you know what it is? Mm-hmm. George's mic has this extender on it. It does. It has a handle where I can lean back and be like, hello, world. Yeah. <laughs> oh okay. Gosh. You look like Frasier. Like, like, yeah, like the... WKRP or something. Yeah. yeah. George, you have more hardware than I do. Two. Where on the end of the table, you mm. just have this dinky little one foot mm. mic stand. I get it. Mm-hmm. it. It might be a little emasculating. Mm. Oh. So do you think this is going to throw you off your game? No, I can still run the show. It's just, <laughs> it feels different. I'm, I'm, I'm closest to the buttons. You are. Yeah. Actually, I'm glad not to deal with the buttons. The buttons are cute. They're They're, all different colors. They're cute. You know what I'm excited about? What? It's Oscar weekend. Ooh. Ooh. Academy (laughs) Awards are around the corner. The nominations are in. Mm -hmm. Tension is hot. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. The I'm Golden sure Globes amongst the nominees have yeah. passed. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, there you go. That's true. I don't know that this is a particularly contentious <laughs> Oscar, <laughs> other than once again that <laughs> white people have been <laughs> supremely represented. Mm-hmm. You know, just our time has come. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's time we hear some white people's stories. You know, yeah. we just can't get enough. You know. <laughs> I heard the theme is white male rage this year. I when, saw yeah. that. Did you see that? So the theme at the Oscar parties. <laughs> it was this SNL bit that Melissa Villasenor did. She oh. Did a song like Joker, Joker, White Male Rage. Well, I won't sing it. Once yeah. upon a time in Hollywood, yeah. White Male Rage. Yeah. I didn't make the connection between that theme. 1917, the war. White <laughs> Male Rage. Yeah, White Male Rage. Where's yeah. my brother? Yeah. The Irishman. A lot white, of White Male white, Rage. White yeah. Male Rage. And little Women, of course. Yeah. Has the most I love White it. Male Rage. <laughs> Often when the Not best nothing. picture noms come out, mm-hmm. folks are a little upset. People think, oh, this movie should have been nominated, that one should have been nominated. So on The Funniest People I Know this week, we've each selected our personal Funniest People I Know Best Picture nominee. Mm -hmm. And it may or may not be on the real list. I'm going to start with TJ. TJ, what -hmm. movie do you nominate for Best Picture? This movie celebrates diversity. It was made right here in Atlanta, and it's the final installment in an 11-part series. Tyler Perry's A Medea Family Funeral 
Great choice. <laughs> Snubbed. Okay. Snubbed. Yes. This self-made media mogul plays not one, not two, not three, but four title characters, oh, making wow. the most characters he's ever played in a movie. Variety Magazine said, Dia Family Funeral isn't good, exactly, but it's very good. <laughs> okay, okay. I just got that. <laughs> good on you, Tyler Perry. Also, it made $74 million. Nice. Oh, yeah. That's okay. a lot more than most of the nominees. Alexandra, what do you got? I have my nominees, and then I looked up the Best Picture nominations because I didn't know what they were. I used to be really into this, and for whatever reason, these last few years, I just have not been into it. But for my personal picks, I was really into Booksmart That was a year. great movie. Wasn't it funny? That was so good. And it was Olivia Wilde's directorial mm-hmm. debut. It was so well written. Didn't realize that that was Jonah Hill's baby sister. No, like, I didn't either. Sure. Does she look like him? No. Oh, I, I kind of see it. You don't see it? I only see it because people have said, that's Jonah Hill's sister. And you're like, really? What? I also really enjoyed Good Boys last year. That was really good, Did too. you guys see that? I thought it was a really fun coming-of-age story, but from a middle school perspective. Mm. 11-year-olds not being precocious and actually talking about what 11-year-olds would talk about. Right. The safety stuff. It was so funny. It was so funny. I appreciated that a lot more than Bad Grandpa. The kid was just being overtly raunchy mm. and... They were giving him things that if a kid really is like that, you might be a bit more concerned. Where this was raunchy, but it felt... Yeah, it felt real. Real. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't cringy, is what I'm saying. I really enjoy Good Boys. Those would be like my personal Those picks. great picks. I feel like comedies are always the underdog at the Oscars, so mm-hmm. I think they need an advocate. and I'm here to advocate for them. I feel really strongly about what's been snubbed this year. Mm, okay. Comedy, baby. Mm-hmm. Dolomite is my name. Yes. Yes. Okay. So good. Okay. Eddie Murphy is back. He's mm-hmm. stronger than ever. And Rudy Ray Moore mm-hmm. is a real guy. Yes. It's a historical comedy. And the characters, Lunell, who mm-hmm. is from Atlanta mm-hmm. and plays Eddie Murphy's aunt in the movie, mm-hmm. is, so funny. Yeah. is so funny. And I think she gets hit by a bus. When he asks for money, mm-hmm. he says, I know you got hit by that bus. I know you got the money. Oh, mm-hmm. that's how she got the money. I wonder the whole time where she got her money. That's, yeah. she- that's awesome. This movie is much better than Parasite mm. because I haven't seen it. <laughs> <laughs> right. My favorite scene is when the UCLA grad students show up to help him make the film mm-hmm. and they ask for the UPM. And that stands for Unit Production Manager. Mm-hmm. And that's my job in real life. Eddie Murphy says, oh, we don't know anything about lights, camera, sound, <laughs> which is everything you need to actually make a movie. I know. His ambition was just infectious. I also loved Wesley Snipes' character for also being Oh, my God. Like, it was so good. Yeah, he was the one that was like, this makes no sense. <laughs> like, just constantly drunk. He gave me Mr. Smithers or Mr. Burns, maybe. Or From the Maybe a combination yeah. of the two. Yeah. Like if Burns and Smithers had a child. Yeah. He was so good. I didn't know that was Wesley Snipes until mm. after I watched mm. the movie and I saw on the screen. He's such a transformative character there. Mm-hmm. What is this movie about? It is about yeah. Rudy Ray Moore, okay. who made these series of black exploitation mm-hmm. films, uh-huh. as they're now called, in the 1980s. Right. He also created this character that would perform live on stage mm-hmm. and do, I imagine, the beginning of spoken word poetry. Mm. Now that you say that, I could totally see that because there was a lot of beatnik speaking these lines over this music. This was the beginning of rap 
in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. This laid the foundation for people to come up to a beat with rhyme and tell mm-hmm. stories. I can say that. Mm-hmm. And he's really funny. The great thing about this character is that Eddie Murphy is old enough to have played Rudy because when Rudy became famous, he was a little mm-hmm. heavy. He wasn't real Hollywood, but he wanted to become famous. Yeah. Dolomite's been snubbed. Also, how about a costume nomination? That's the craziest part. He wears these beautiful pimp costumes. Mm-hmm. The costuming is amazing. And not just him. The females, the males, the costumes in the movies from the 70s mm-hmm. are so good. So Oscars, I got a real issue with the fact that you snubbed Dolomite. I'm 100% with you. That movie brought me such joy. I watched mm-hmm. it on a really crummy mm-hmm. day, too. And there's a big moment at the end. They're heading towards a place. Mm-hmm. And they're in the car. And I'm on the edge of my seat. And I'm standing up. It's like when I watched Seabiscuit. I was so excited. I'm like, <laughs> what's going to happen? What's going to happen? And I didn't know this was a true story. I thought that this was just like a completely fictional tale. Mm-hmm. And I had no reference point. So afterwards, when I found out that it was a real story, I went back immediately and watched the real Dolmite movie. And yeah. I was like, this is so good. All I wanted while I was watching the movie mm-hmm. was to watch the movie in the movie. Oh, See, so it's about them making the movie. Yes. yes. It's about it. this real guy, Rudy Ray Moore, and his life so, becoming famous, basically. To see Rudy Ray overcome all these obstacles, and he's older, he's gotten a little heavier, but he still has this tenacity to want to become famous. Rudy's whole thing was he was willing to kind of do whatever to become famous, mm. whatever entertained people. Mm. And I love the fact that you had this man in the 70s who very much was this super macho character because black exploitation is just the combination of taking hemp and crack stories and mixing it with some kung fu. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bruce Lee and the Kung Fu stories of the 70s were huge inspiration to black people. And that era, it just became a huge part of the black exploitation films that were coming out at the time. George, what do you got? <laughs> Dolomite's my favorite movie of the year. I've been dying to rewatch it. Anybody who has not seen it should stop listening to this podcast right now. <laughs> put on Netflix and watch it. It is so good. Since you took my pick, I will go with my second pick, which is Endgame. And mm-hmm. I know it's a Marvel movie. 1917 and Parasite, they're masterpieces. I've seen them both. They're beautifully made films. Endgame does something that no one has ever really been able to do before, and that's complete a cohesive story mm-hmm. over a decade. Mm-hmm. 22 movies lead up to it. Star Wars failed at it. Game of Thrones failed mm-hmm. at it. But Endgame managed to put a really tight end. One of the things, when I watched it recently, I realized by hiring such good actors, the actors were able to bring a lot to their characters that's mm. not on the page. Mm-hmm. So okay. you don't have to have so much exposition where you're understanding, like, why is this person upset? What's their motivation? It's there, and it's been there in all these movies. I, I think I think that Marvel, with the Avengers series, which I was not an Avengers fan, managed to do something that no one has ever done before in cinema, and they should have been rewarded for it. That's mm-hmm. my biggest snub of the year. Oh, I like that. And then... Just in the actor categories, I have some opinions here. I would have given it to Eddie Murphy. Yeah, I, I mean, Joaquin Phoenix lost a bunch of weight, but I'm a Heath Ledger Joker fan, and I didn't like his Joker. His yeah. Joker made me uncomfortable, and I was like, this man needs medication yeah. and a doctor. Yeah. I think Lupita Nyong'o from Us should have won, because yeah. I'm still haunted by that character. Seriously, though. J-Lo was totally robbed, and if you haven't seen Hustlers, it's a fantastic movie, and she's <laughs> amazing. And Wesley Snipes and Dolmite mm, is, again, mm-hmm. one of those characters that's like got lost into the picture. So if George was in charge of the Oscars, those would be our winners tonight. I like your mm. Oscars, George. Man, be you better. guys have given me a whole list of things. I have to watch TV. In honor of Oscars week, we've each written our acceptance speech. Mm-hmm. Because, George, 
it's only a matter of time. That's all I'm saying. Mm-hmm. This podcast is blowing up. Mm-hmm. We've got a ton of new listeners. If you're new to the show... <laughs> they don't give Oscars for podcasts. But welcome. Do they not? They should. We'll be the first to win it. We'll TJ, be will you books. Google what the podcast Oscars are, please, hey, so we can share it and totally. recommend folks nominate us? Yes. If you're new to the show, folks, we are four friends. We live in Atlanta. We are writers, comedians, actors, and we put on the show every week to make each other laugh and to share our ridiculous writing with the world. <laughs> Every week we have a writer's room segment where we create something new. I want to share the funniest people I know's acceptance speeches with you right now. I'll say okay, your name sure. and that'll start the 60 second clock because you know, Oscar speeches, very specific. You mm-hmm. very small amounts, unless you're really famous. That's right. And I'm not. And we have a time limit and we also have music. We will play you off okay. if you go over. Okay. So keep okay. that in okay. mind, everybody. Okay. I hope I win. Right. I hope I win. All right. Ready? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, members of the Academy, mm-hmm. the Academy Award for Best Screenplay goes to George Kuluris. Oh my god, I'm so shy. Ah, ah, Could have been me. <laughs> Thank you. It's been a pleasure. And to all the wet blankets and naysayers who ever doubted me, y'all can kiss my ass because I just won an Oscar, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's all you got? That's it. I'm oh, on the stage. Yeah. I, oh, wow. I know. Being played off the stage with the pretty model lady, and we were walking backstage so I can give my press conference. Yeah. Do you know, oh, nice. famously, I don't know if it's the shortest, but Joe Pesci's Oscar speech in 1991 mm-hmm. was famous because he just reaches into the mic. He just says, oh, it's my privilege. Thank you. And walks off stage. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the award goes to T.J. Jackson. Thank you, Kids' Choice Awards. (laughs) (laughs) Let's be more realistic here, I guess. For Best Viral Video, I didn't even know someone captured a video of me falling down an escalator going up. (laughs) But I'm glad to see I'm the one receiving credit for it and not Fabcat67. I'd especially <laughs> like to thank everyone who helped me on the way down by moving out of the way. <laughs> Y'all are the true unsung heroes. I'd also like to thank the firefighter who retrieved my pants that got stuck in the conveyor belt. <laughs> and wow, okay, I'm being slimed. This is great. Uh, I'm so glad I didn't go out and buy this Armani tux. Thanks, kids. Vote Trump out. <laughs> yes. Nice, nice. Ladies and gentlemen, the winner is... Alexandria Sweat. Ooh, yes, thank you, yes. Yo, this is crazy. Ah, okay. Okay, when I say I won, you say I didn't. I won. You didn't. I didn't. I didn't. No, I won. <laughs> you I didn't. didn't. It's okay. <laughs> he gets me. I love you. First and foremost, I have to thank God because this was all you. My mom, because she paid for a lot of classes, and I know that was expensive. Thank you, girl. (laughs) Mr. Bradford for asking me if I got my manners from Kmart. The insecurities, like, poured into me, like, helped to give me so many great character choices that helped me win this award. So shout out to you. Also, I want to thank, last but not least, I want to thank my awesome husband, Leon, for being my biggest hater and also for being my biggest fan depending on which day it is. <laughs> Thanks, Oscars. And now, the winner of the best live-action short film <laughs> category that nobody cares about <laughs> goes to <laughs> Will Amato. I'd like to thank the Academy, 
for this incredible award as Best Director of a Short Film. The film I was nominated for, Porn Mom, <laughs> was a true labor of love. Yeah. I made this film to give a voice to porn stars everywhere mm-hmm. who mm-hmm. slip mm-hmm. and slap and slop every day <laughs> to make America happy. Ew. I'm thankful to the Academy for once again awarding an Oscar to a director who is a man and also happens to be white. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I have so many folks to thank for making this film possible. Jenny Thalia, John Cutesack, Johnny Rapid, Boomer Banks, Rocco Steele, Girth Brooks, Daddy Creams, Alexis Texas, Stormy Daniels, Tom Wanks, Sasha Gray, Ron Longstaff, Pinky June, Billy Santoro, Dale Cooper, Jesse Couture, Team Laquifa, Vadim Black, Armand Rizzo, Otto Cruz, Never enough time no, no. to get all those thank yous Especially out. Especially for not the short film category. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. A couple years ago, I think they made them accept the award from their seat. <laughs> they, didn't, was... they didn't get to come to the stage, if I'm not mistaken. That's yep. what I was going to ask. Is this televised? I don't remember this category. This is the pre-Oscars <laughs> that nobody sees, where they do right. things like sound design, right? I love this category, because it does give mm. amateur filmmakers a chance to mm. win awards. Mm-hmm. And I go every year with either Chris or my friend Sarah, and we watch the shorts, but nobody else cares about them. Mm. So that's true. I do I as well. I love that you picked that, and I think the Academy would have lost their damn mind had Porn Mom won an Oscar. I think mm-hmm. so, too. Without Daddy Cream and Girth Brooks, it would have been a really those are real people if i'm not mistaken the majority of them are real <laughs> well mm-hmm. i have something i need to <laughs> research. Some googling to do right <laughs> you know what's funny research. i had a feeling that you two in particular might recognize some of those <laughs> names daddy cream no that's tj's alter ego mm. johnny rapid oh yeah Banks, rocco steel <laughs> rocco steel I hope no one at work checks my search history okay oh my gosh yes Folks, if you've got any Academy Award nominations for the funniest people I know or you know about any podcast awards that we should submit for, you can email us at thefunniestpeopleiknow at gmail.com. Folks, we'll be live tweeting the Oscars on the Funniest People I Know Twitter page. Mm-hmm. At fpick underscore podcast. We hope you'll tune in and that your favorite films win an Academy Award. No one's favorite film ever wins an Academy Award. No, they really don't. Because nobody said, you know what I love? That movie where that lady has sex with a fish. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I lost faith in the Academy when Saving Private Ryan Mm -hmm. lost to Shakespeare in Love. Oh, yeah, with Paltrow. Because Mm -hmm. I'm all about Shakespeare in Love. It was a great movie, but it was not better than Saving Private Ryan. Saving Private Ryan, that's like the goriest scene open a film ever, right? Yeah, it's, yeah. it's pretty cool. It's, it's as if you're there. What year did I, didn't I need come to be out? There. My friend was like, we should watch Saving Private Ryan. It's so disgusting. It's time now for Funniest People I Know News. <laughs> uh, Alex, it's time for Entertainment Buzz. Yes. <laughs> I wanted to come to you guys with stories out here that have been tickling my fancy. Oh, hit me, hit, hit me. Hit me. Yes, I got you. I don't know if you guys have heard anything about this, but The Sun recently released very detailed and up-close images of the sun. Oh, no. Yes. Sun selfies? Yes, sun selfies. The National Science Foundation recently released these images, and they wrote in a statement that the images show 
turbulent movement of the plasma amid an array of cell-like structures that, while they look small in images, are actually each about the size of Texas. The hot solar plasma rises in the bright centers of cells, cools, then sinks below the surface in dark lanes in a process known as convection, the statement read. Scientific America tweeted out a mesmerizing photo. This is what the sun looks like. It looks like alphabet soup. Or a no. handful of corn nuts. Yeah. yeah. Well, you or know, SpaghettiOs. No one looks good when you take a picture of their pores like that. <laughs> What's the Avengers show with Groot? Guardians of the Galaxy? Yeah, what's the rock guy? Man, rock man. I that guy, it's it's his <laughs> skin. Um, yeah. it's his, I got you. Or the thing from Fantastic Four. Yes. Mm-hmm. Or some old okay. stale candy corn. Well, it's funny that or you like guys keep mentioning food. <laughs> because a lot of people out here on the Twitterverse and the interwebs have called out how this image makes them think of everything from candy corn to caramel popcorn to just regular kernels, peanuts. It does look like food. I thought I saw a payday when I originally saw this picture. Mm-hmm. So thank you, son, for not only providing my vitamin D, but also giving me visual nourishment. And thank you, NSF, for providing these images of food porn. You're still giving acceptance speeches over here. <laughs> right. I would like to thank the Academy for this like picture to- of the sun. <laughs> yeah. I want to thank the National Science Foundation <laughs> for your payday-like pictures and more food pornography for me on a daily basis. I just want you to do that in life now. Like, just go to the grocery store and be like, I'd like to thank everyone. I want to thank you for my change. <laughs> I love it. Thanks, what, son. What else is in the news, Alex? I don't know about you guys, but I didn't get my Beyonce Ivy Park box. But Ivy Park did get sent to Diddy's two young girls, his Mm. two twins, Jesse and Delilah. Mm. And Diddy was a little upset. So video came out on allhiphopnews.com. And you see Diddy revealing his Ivy Park box. If you're not familiar, Beyonce recently collaborated with Adidas to create an athleisure line of track suits and tennis shoes and capes and all types of other rich stuff that I can't afford. Mm-hmm. And Same. it was cute, though. I'm still trying to figure out which one of my limbs I'm going to sell to acquire one of these pieces. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like one of my fingers isn't necessary. Diddy opens the box, and he's doing his Diddy dance all the way to the box. And he reveals it, and he pulls off the clothes. And realizes that it's not his size. It is child size. And then someone in the background is like, Diddy, I think that's for your daughters. So Diddy was very disappointed not to receive his Mm. Ivy Park box. Oh, he's like, I didn't try to share this with my kids. He was supposed to be the one in his (laughs) tracksuit. He wanted his Adidas to Diddy done wrong. Diddy done wrong. Thank you, Alex, for the news update. In honor of Oscar week, we're going to talk to our friend Daniel Anoni, who just did a Clint Eastwood film. George, let's talk to him. Yeah, Will, Daniel's an actor friend of ours. He performs in Atlanta. He's on the Nonviolet Offenders, the sketch comedy group that TJ and I work with. He's appeared on a bunch of shorts and video sketches. He was in the show Atlanta. He was in the Will Smith movie Gemini Man. And most recently, he played Drunk Teen in Clint Eastwood's <laughs> Richard Jewell, oh. which was about the Centennial Olympic bombing in 1996. Great role. Mm. Memorable. Drunk Teen was great. Best yeah. part of the film. I was super excited to see him on screen. Daniel, my first question for you is, I didn't know you were in this movie until I saw the movie, and no one else I've ever talked to knew you were in it. Why do you not brag about you being in this movie? I guess I don't think about it. I should have promoted it more, but such a small part. I wasn't even sure if I was going to be in it. How long did you shoot for? 
they had me there with the other drunk teens for three days total, <laughs> but the, one of the days it was storming outside, and that was the day of the explosion. So we, they didn't even use us. Mm. Just waited all day to not work? Exactly. What was the atmosphere like in the holding room with the other drunk teens? It was cool. It was very chill. They were actually teenagers. And I'm a good five years older than them. <laughs> that was fun, but or just fun to kind of see how that played out. You're a good actor. I couldn't tell that they were much younger than you. Yeah, I play young very well. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I just to go back to my younger years. You worked with Clint Eastwood in this. How was Clint Eastwood as a director? Did you interact with him personally at all? A little bit. He's great. He really knew what he wanted to do. So a lot of the takes happened really quick. Sometimes they filmed it on rehearsal and they liked what they saw, so they kept moving. He was having a fun time. We were with a lot of other extras that were also drunk teens in our group. So we had a big group of kids. They were all younger and they were all just fooling around, but everything was very positive. Everybody was having a good time. Were you ever confused between the sound of his voice and the rumbling of any of the production vehicles? (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) Fair enough. How many times did Clint Eastwood say, make my day? About four times. Daniel Will has directed you many times in the past. How does Will compare to Clint Eastwood as a director? Okay. Yeah, now that you mention it, they don't have much in common. (laughs) Clint just knows what he wants, and whatever you do is actually what he wanted. So then he's like, great. Will's a little bit more of a Nazi. Can I say that? (laughs) Do you have any pointers for Will from having worked with Clint Eastwood? How could he be more like Clint? With age, he'll come. You got a lot of mm-hmm. years ahead of you. You'll be rocking it while you're in your late 80s. So, <laughs> yeah, mm, that makes sense. <laughs> Just uh, don't don't give up. Did Clint Eastwood ever talk to an empty chair while you're around? Like physical chairs? Yes. <laughs> yep. Maybe the one that he was sitting on. He kind of had a monitor in his hand. He had a bit yeah, of a rapport with the chair. chair a lot. Does Clint Eastwood still wear that poncho and smoke tiny cigars? No, I did not see him in a poncho, and there was no smoking of any kind. What about the 44 that he carries in Dirty Harry? Does he still have that on his hip? Uh, it might have been concealed. You're filming in Atlanta, so it's legal. Is there a certain time limit for how long he can be away from the nursing home? <laughs> you know, I think he has his band still on or something. I think he was <laughs> from the hospital. Um, no, I think they might have people on set. Awesome. If you're in a bar and you're with a beautiful woman... Is the Clint Eastwood movie going to become part of your humble brag? If I feel like it was brought up organically and she's into that or something, (laughs) yeah, definitely. Whatever helps. If she's like, I love Million Dollar Baby, you'll bring it up. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Later in the film, we find out that if your character hadn't messed with the backpack, a lot more people would have died. How do you feel having played a hero? I'm glad you brought this up. They reference the teenagers about three or four times in the film. Mm Mm-hmm. I was actually the one that kicks it over. You're a major character. Yeah. You saved Um, a lot of lives that night, Daniel. Are we going to be singing you anything else soon? Yeah, the non-violent offenders are actually taking over Ladies' Night at Village Theater. Um, We're going to start doing that for the next couple months. It's the first Thursday of the month at 1030 at night at Village Theater. Awesome, man. Check it out. Well, we will see Richard Jewell and then come watch you at Ladies' Night at Village Theater. Thanks for being on the show. Thank you, Daniel. Thanks, Dan. Yeah, of course. Thank you, guys. I was watching that movie, and when he appears on screen, and you're like, oh, my God, it's Daniel. Oh, my God, it's Daniel. And I'm, like, so excited. Like, he's the most famous person in the whole movie. Like, (laughs) Olivia Wilde's not in the next scene. Right. (laughs) It is funny that the longer I do this crazy thing we Mm -hmm. call comedy Mm -hmm. and performing, that you do start to see people you know. Yeah. I have this friend, Brian Barebi, who's in a dinner scene 
some TV show, and it's not important. But every time I see him, I text him. He works so much, he's getting annoyed. When our friend of the show, Coley Campany, was in The Watchmen, yeah. and I queened out. She's a perfectly lovely actress. She was not remarkable as her character. And I was like, oh my God! <laughs> <laughs> well, in prepping for this episode, I want to know the history of the Oscars and where that name mm, came from. Okay. The Academy Awards began in 1929 at a private dinner. I think this is really sad because in 1928, a silent film called The Baby Cyclone mm-hmm. certainly would have won Best Picture if, in fact, there had been an Academy Award. Shut out. Baby Cyclone? That's right. The first snub. In oh. the film Baby Cyclone, Jessie Hurley becomes infatuated with her new Pekingese. Mm. This makes her husband, Jean Hurley, jealous. While out walking the dog, Gene sells his wife's dog to society girl Lydia Webster. He tells Jesse that the dog got lost, but Jesse learns the truth and takes it back. Lydia and her fiancé, Joe Meadows, try to regain custody. Eventually, all four humans are arrested on charges of dog stealing and inciting a riot. The film featured, quote, a near deadly duel with an electric light bulb and a bottle of ketchup. Oh, wow. That sounds thrilling. (laughs) Take that, Parasite. Baby Cyclone is the first official Oscar snub in history. It sure is. This is about more than comedy. Okay. This show is about making a difference. Yesterday night, I wrote a letter to the Academy Awards. Dear Academy, my name is Will Amato, and I host a weekly podcast in Atlanta called The Funniest People I Know. We're featuring the Oscars this week on our show and discovered a very interesting fact that we'd like to bring to your attention. From our research, the Oscars began in 1929, in case they don't know. (laughs) A wonderful silent film called Baby Cyclone came out in 1928 that we feel has been snubbed, since in 1928, the Academy Awards did not yet exist. (laughs) Had Baby Cyclone been eligible, Mm. we are certain it would have been a contender. (laughs) We'd like to recommend an honorary Oscar be granted to the Edward Sutherland film, Baby Cyclone. We haven't seen it, but the plot synopsis I read on Season 3, Episode 4 of our podcast, free on iTunes, sounds amazing. (laughs) Also, Eddie Murphy deserved a nomination for Dolomite. We're disappointed that he did not receive one. Yes. Mm -hmm. Thank you for your consideration, Will Amato, George Kouloris, Alexandria Sweat, and Tracy Jackson. No, no, of the I'm not funniest honest, people what? I know. I'm not right, I was I'm like, no, because I'm thinking, like, did he just put yeah. our name? Exactly. Did... Yeah. Mm-mm. Yeah. But so did you send this letter? Yeah. yeah, this has already been sent. No, that's well. awesome. Didn't you also email the Academy about Sunset Boulevard? I did. <laughs> I'm sure they love hearing from you. <laughs> They're like, this guy is now watching movies from 50, 100 years ago and writing us letters. That's right, because Sunset Boulevard did not win. And it definitely should have, because I watched the film that beat that movie, and it wasn't as good. Got you. You can email the Academy on their website. It's all too easy. You can also write your congressmen and senators if there's anything happening in Washington that you don't agree with. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Dear Senator Purdue, <laughs> Baby Cyclone was robbed of an Academy Award in 1928, exactly. and somebody has to do something about it. Yeah. Have you seen Sunset Boulevard? Oh my gosh. I hope we hear back from them. Well, to close out this episode of Oscar Week 2020, TJ, you got a game for us. I do. Okay. 
Back in 1931, some woman in the academy named Margaret said the award reminded her of her uncle Oscar, which is weird because the statue doesn't have a face. <laughs> does it? I don't know. It does not. I think she was just seeing things. Anyway. She was hallucinating. Yeah. She'd had some peyote earlier. She had a faceless uncle. Exactly. Oh, that round ball looks just like Uncle Oscar. That's <laughs> not my Uncle you know, Oscar. He stands there naked holding a sword all the time. <laughs> yeah. Right? We're going to play Which Oscar Is This? Alexandria. Yep. Oscars is a terrible gay bar in Atlanta I visited once, and one is the Academy Awards. I'm going to give you a clue, and you'll tell me whether it happened at this gay bar okay. or an award ceremony. Got you. Mm-hmm. Nice. So just say gay bar or award ceremony. Okay. <clears throat> there were too many pool tables in this small, tiny room that I had to army crawl under one of them to reach the bathroom. I'm going to go with gay bar. Yes, correct. A streaker ran across the stage flashing everyone, including Barbara Streisand. I'm going to go with award show. Correct. All right. There was so much cigarette smoke, I had to use the flashlight on my phone as a sort of fog light to find the exit. A gay bar. Correct. (laughs) James Trinko couldn't keep it together, so his co-host Anne Hathaway had to carry him throughout the entire show. An award show. Correct. Mm -hmm. This place was given a one-star review on Google, calling it a urine bomb. (laughs) Award show. Right. I feel like that should be award show, but I'm going to go with gay bar. Yeah, correct. John Travolta is terrible with names here. I feel like that may be a gay bar, but I'm going to say an award show. Correct. And you also would have gotten right with gay bar. It was both. It was. It was Mm -hmm. both. Mm -hmm. Good job, Alex. Yeah. You are so good at gay bar versus award show. (laughs) You made it so tough, TJ. (laughs) Ding, 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 ding. Yay. Ladies and gentlemen, that that brings us to the end of another episode of the Funniest People I Know podcast. You all deserve an award for tuning in. Whether you're a first-time listener or you've been with us for a while. Or a last-time listener. Have yourselves a hilarious week. Bye. 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 We'll